This is a, a point that I want to make for anybody who might be listening to these broadcasts, not realize this. They're struggling. Young colorists in particular, they get handed the shite. The stuff that needs all the work, the, the stuff that people say, you know, I don't have any money, but I need this color time to be, you know, you get a credit, be great experience for you. You get past that, work through it, get past that. Because once you do, when you get to the, the network level, when you get to the motion picture level, the pictures are wonderful. The DPs do the work. They, they use their light meters and they set up the master shot. And then they take these light meters, these handheld gadgets, and they go and they measure the light on the overs and on the cutaways and all the other shots. It's consistent. I, I try, I'm, I've always been in search of one correction. I will go through a show and I will find a scene that I just love. And I will set that up and I'll time it. And then I'll put that correction on the whole show. If the whole show looks pretty good, then that DP has done a fabulous job. And that does happen. And at, at, at the level of these shows that we're talking about, this happens regularly. Hello, this is Randy Starnes. Hi, this is Tom Parrish from Austin, Texas. Welcome, Randy, to the show. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be joining with you. Well, I'm glad you're here. And... This show is a little bit different. What I'm going to do is just have a conversation between two colorists. Needless to say, I'm the junior one of the two doing independent film work. And I know Randy is a senior colorist, or maybe you would say in the days of, of, of past, a color timer. Uh, but you have graded a host of very popular TV shows and movies in your years of experience. Before we get rolling, I want to give a quick shout out to Gray Marshall, colorist there in your area, Santa Monica was very kind enough to put us together and I appreciate that and thank you Gray. So Randy I was looking over your IMDB page and I was just amazed at all the shows that I've watched that you've graded and uh, they go back to Northern Exposure in the 90s I believe right? Right. Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman before that. <laughs> um, a show called Dark Justice was one of my first ones and before that I worked on uh, uh, Nova for WGBH out of Boston. Those are all. That was probably my first TV show. Shot on film, transferred. They were to all. Video. They were all shot on film. That that's how I started. You know, they needed somebody to take the film and put it to videotape. Wow. And in in Boston, in particular, uh, where I went in the uh, I think eighty eight, I moved from Atlanta to Boston. When they recruited me in Boston, they said they just needed somebody who wouldn't turn around to the clients and tell them the stuff looked like shit. <laughs> And, you know, I qualified for that. <laughs> that was not a hard one, but it was a good one, right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm from Atlanta originally, Decatur, Georgia, um, outside of Atlanta. And so we don't say things like that to people. Well, I, mean, I brought up very, you know, politeness is next to godliness. Well, that's how it is in Texas here. Yeah, that's true. You treat everyone with respect. Who knows? They may be caring also in Texas, right? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay, well, but in addition to those shows, which we'll be getting into more of the, uh, the uh, uh, past, I'm very looking forward to it. NYPD, Blue, Extreme Makeover, Grey's Anatomy. I think you did quite a few uh, series in Grey's Anatomy. I started with the pilot uh, on, uh, well, no, the pilot was done several times, I think, by a couple of different people. I started on the, I think it was the third season of Grey's Anatomy. Um, and... Worked on that show, I think, for six seasons. I see. 
A wonderful experience. Wonderful people. Shonda Rhimes is just the best. Shonda and Betsy Beers run that show. Uh Um, Herb Davis is the DP. He's been on it from the start. Um, Tammy Ann Casper is the associate producer. And Lisa Taylor is the uh, co-producer, I believe now. Uh, She's wonderful. We just... Whenever you de- develop, whenever you work on a long series, on a long-running show, you get very close with the people that you work with. It is, you know, it's a, f- a family for nine months, and then you have your hiatus and you come back. It's, it's a wonderful. I, I just, it it is the best. You know, it's like a a teacher's schedule, except you don't have homework. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, and then more recently, Blacklist and Masters of Sex on Showtime. Right. Uh, Blacklist came to me at uh, Colorworks. Two and a half years ago, I started working for Sony Colorworks, and they just started delivering shows. They're wonderful people. Um, I came in at a very fortunate time. Uh, They were – Chris Cookson was leading – a 4K initiative for Sony with cameras, um, uh, the uh, monitors that Mm -hmm. they want to sell. And we built a TV department at Colorworks just to handle 4K, a whole post-production backbone for that, for those massive files. Wow. And uh, the color timing on base light eights. So they're very powerful. Right. And, um, Colorworks fed me a lot of great shows. Camp for NBC was a great summertime show shot on the F65, I believe. Oh, nice camera. In Australia. Mm -hmm. Wonderful camera. 16-bit color depth. Same thing with Masters of Sex. It's like film. Oh, then that's how they get That's part of what I want to get to at the end. That's that's the difference that most people should know. It, It is the color depth. It's the color bit depth. It is It is like handling film, although... The difference in how we handled film uh, originated and ended up with a television show on tape versus the way we handle data originated, file-based, and how we end up is uh, we are really closer to the original image than we than we were because we went through a whole system of best light <laughs> transfer and then color on top of best light. It, yeah. was, it wasn't the best system. Okay. Well... Moving on, then, um, I have a couple of questions for you on uh, Masters of Sex that plays right into it. We're going to save that more toward the end. I want to cover three topics with you, Randy, a little bit more about your background, uh, what it's like grading major TV shows. Let's say you're speaking to a junior colorist and, you know, it's like a little bit about what it was in the past. But, and what, you know, what is it like now and, and what should you know for the future? And just here's some words of advice that you may have for other colorists that are coming up in the marketplace as uh, the technology is evolving so quickly. Uh, um, TV shows are becoming popular again now. They weren't so popular that many years ago. Uh, and, and all that sort of stuff that you know really well. So how do you feel about that? It's a good place to start. Um, l- let me talk about the difference now and then. And let's use something like NYPD Blue as a, as a reference. Okay. Um, NYPD Blue was a different show for me in that it was um, cut negative. Oh. 
and I I took the challenge uh, because it was it was a great opportunity. Like mm-hmm. I said, we've been working for years transferring negative on the overnight and cutting it together and then grading tape to tape and ending up with a final look. <laughs> Keep in mind that before 1989, 90, yeah. actually it was 91. 91, we switched at Digital Magic in, in Santa Monica. We started transferring our dailies component to Beta SP. That was the first time we went component instead of composite, as far as I know, for uh, transfer. And it made a huge difference. Yeah, Before that, people used to take the color-timed image and run it through an image enhancer to get back some of the loss, the analog loss that Mm -hmm. they had before. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason that the shows look the way they do now is that whole lack of, of technical prowess. We, we worked around a lot of issues. Now, in, in uh, I think it was 97, I worked on NYPD Blue. Um, I picked up on the third or fourth season. Very difficult show. It was um, beautifully shot. Very few uh, dissolves. By the time I got on <laughs> the show, it was Lex DuPont and Steve Crawford two DPs alternating between episodes. Right. I would get my cut negative in four rolls. Two rolls would come on the first day, two rolls on the second day. I would set up the Mark III, the rank telecine, mm-hmm. with a, uh, a TAF, a telecine alignment film. I would store that image of the balanced chip chart. Then I would grade the first act with a client, usually two clients in the room. Really? Right. For the whole, for the whole season, they would be with me. Um, and we would go through and we would finish the first act around lunchtime. Yeah. Um, I would take the film down, run it through the bath. <laughs> and when I put the film back up, before I put the film up, I put that taff back on the, on the rank and had to compensate for analog drift. So we're working along and in those three, four hours, the, the, it has drifted to either green or magenta. (laughs) You put up your analyzed film and you globally correct everything that you just did back to a correct setup on the TAF, hang your clean film and roll it straight through without stopping (laughs) because your, your danger is analog drift and picking up dirt. Right. Uh, in those days, telecinics were kept in machine rooms, much like uh, TKs, much like uh, um, you know tape machines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or with all the tape machines. And so it was that one one pass through the bath, and hopefully any dirt that you you picked up or that was left on there had to be digitally cleaned, which was a bigger deal then than it is now. Well, um, let me ask you back in that time, because uh, I'd like to compare and contrast to you know, in the 90s versus the 2000s kind of thing. What's the difference in the way you collaborated with the DP and the producer back then versus now? Maybe start back then, I would suppose. Has it changed yeah, much? It has changed because we've inserted a uh, digital Im- information technician into the path in many occasions, sometimes a colorist on set. In those days, I would go and visit the set Mm-hmm. Then I would oversee the first day dailies. Um, 
then a communication with the DP on the first few days of dailies. We will still do the same thing, but it but then it was more hands-on. Um, seems that now there's a trend to let the dailies and, if at all possible, pass the dailies through a a uh, strictly mechanical process and avoid the, the human touch as much as possible. Um, I think that was a trend. I think we're people in the industry are still trying to figure out that yeah. path. Yeah. Um, but there's been a backlash, and we're part of it. At, at Arsenal, we are going back to hands-on. No kidding. Well- yeah, I wish we could do everything the old way, with the exception of um, the technology benefit. Uh, the hands-on approach is best. Um, there's, it may not be as cost-effective in some ways for for some companies, for us, we're a small company. It's uh, it's just part of the difference. It's part of our service. Mm-hmm. But it alleviates so many problems. If you trust a a uh, just a purely mechanical process, a technical process, and and don't have eyes on, don't adjust the the image. The DPs are the ones who are at risk. Those first couple of shows can determine whether they're going to make the season or the the run of the show or not. Oh, interesting. It's it's a critical time. Um, The DPs know this. The colorists know this. And that bond between DP and colorist um, is so important and can be extinguished if you turn it over to the accountants. (laughs) Um, It it seems like there's no reason for it, but there are so many, uh, so many potential pitfalls. There's so many areas, even, even though we're not dealing with film now, there's still so many things that can go wrong. And just the confidence, it's all of us need um, a place of high confidence to work from. Right. So if, if I have it and I'm able to, then impart it to the DP who has to have it before he pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. We're going to that we're going to get along swimmingly. And once you get through the first uh, few uh, days, really, um, then it becomes a routine. Do you, you've got to go ahead? Do you typically speak with the uh, DP uh, in, in any way during those first couple of shoots? Or I was sort of imagining you really had no involvement until after it was already shot in some ways. Maybe that varies. Often I don't have any involvement until it's af- until after it's all shot. And um, that is the, that is not the, that's not where you want to be. As if you Especially are the DP, now. you want to talk to your timer. You want to have that conversation early. Um, I would prefer to be included in, in the team as early as possible. So I know what their design is. Um, that, that is not, that is not always possible. It's not nearly as often as I would like. Um, it does seem like the best shows works that way though. Well, I'm hearing a, a, um, I don't know if it's a resurgence, a renaissance, or just a change in the way things are evolving, but I'm hearing a lot more conversation now that the market place for the equipment and the hardware and the software and whatnot is dropped in price for color grading, that now more people are involved with it. And in that conversation, I'm hearing more people now talk about, let's have a conversation with the, the DP 
And as I tend to tell people on the shows that I do on the you know these independent things, it's like you've got X amount of dollars for your budget, ten thousand, twenty. I don't know what it is. Give me the number. But whatever the number is, some percentage of that is going to be fixing problems versus doing the creative work to make it look the way you want it to look. And I'm seeing more and more problems than I am having time left over for creative work. And there's the answer to that is let me speak to the DP sooner. Sooner. What's going on? Yeah, there's there's hardly a network show where the uh, that the DP does not insist on talking to the colorist or having the colorist of his choice. Makes sense. His or her choice. Yeah. And I think that's that's how I would do it. If um, you know, they're my heroes. That's what I would do if I was just a little braver, a little smarter. Instead of being a colorist, I'd be a DP. <laughs> so um, they're who I serve. That's the that's that's the line of uh, of my service. Of course, I have to serve. I have many many masters. True. So, getting back to the original question, those are the DPs. What about how's the experience changed of then versus now? Let's say we kind of keep it in that realm of working with um, producers and um, directors. I guess the writers probably aren't in the show. They're not. They're, they're seldom um, yeah. do they come into post-production or, uh, or color timing. It seems that most people don't want to come into color timing. I don't know why, except that it's got to be excruciatingly boring for people to watch, and they're very busy. <laughs> but most people who come in and spend time with me think that it's the most relaxing part of their day. <laughs> it is for them. <laughs> uh, and it, but it's changed very little. I think we're only with the producers. Seldom do the executive producers come in. Uh-huh. It is on the really top shows that they are um, coming in now. Uh, that's happened periodically through the years. Usually, the post process for a color correction is a a post supervisor. I see. Right. Yeah. There is a. Uh, associate producer who will have a post-super as their um, assistant, let's say. The associate producer or co-producer handles the sound, handles the um, sound mix, the audio sweetening. Mm -hmm. That is a, it seems to be a a step up in grade. Before that, you handle color correction. So I've had uh, producers that I've worked with who the season before were uh, PAs. <laughs> the next step is uh, supervising color correction for a project. Um, and they are really trusting the colorist who is the interpreter. Mm. Whenever I teach, which I do quite often, um, I start out with informing the information that I hold dear is that I'm an interpreter, not a creator. Mm-hmm. I, for my creative process, I paint in oils. I don't do it on a commission basis. So nobody can tell me that it's right or wrong. Oh, way cool. Mm-hmm. That way, when I go into my, my suite, I'm working on somebody else's creation mm-hmm. and I am all ears, all eyes. I totally want to know what they want. This is not going to come generally from the uh, the post super. Um, it's going to come from the DP. Right. 
Now, the post-super and the associate producer have to be mindful of the executive producer's uh, wishes. Mm-hmm. So that's, one, that's the many masters that we're serving. The, the DP is, is doing the same. So I don't ever set out on a television show to give it my thumbprint, to give it my look. I don't have a look. Um, anything that you want, it's your look. I'll get you your look. Interesting. Um, I, I approach this strictly as interpretation until I'm given the leeway to create. Well, then let's take that in the context of a couple of current day films then, uh, Blacklist and then Masters of Sex. How, how did the look come about for the Blacklist? The Blacklist was Yasu Tanita, the DP on the pilot. Mm-hmm. He, they shot it in New York. They shot it on two F-55 cameras. Oh, good. Um, he and I talked, uh, he was on set in New York. I was walking down the street in Culver city and we talked the first day. He asked about speed ramps and the, just a general overview on what I had seen the first day of dailies. Um, that was a, I think the extent of our conversation in the, uh, on the pilot until he came in for timing. He sat with me for one day of color timing. Mm-hmm. He, sh- he shot a very clean image, no filters, uh, prime lenses primarily, and uh, the color timing went very fast. We had a, a beautiful, clean look, not a lot of effects. The, the majority of the effects were beauty fixes. All right. Do you do many secondaries and things like that when it shot that well? I, I don't if I don't have to. I uh-huh. will always end up using secondaries. It's uh, like you can't keep my hand away from them. <laughs> True. Um, True. But I approach everything uh, primaries first. It, I, I keep thinking of things like uh, from the negative terms. So if I am handling a raw uh, image, mm-hmm. then I will expand it or uncompress it. Right. And make a, a pleasing saturation depending on how colorful they want it. There's a difference between the color saturation on the blacklist and on Masters of Sex. Yeah, definitely. And both of them come from the, the pilot. Um, Interesting. The, the pilot often sets the stage. And on every show... You leave that stage, you leave that pilot set up, but it's, it sets the look. Masters is one show that they more want to keep going back to the look of the pilot. Um, the director, um, uh, John Madden, mm-hmm. and I forget the name of his DP. I never worked with him, but they set a look. A colorist in L.A., at, at Technicolor, Tim Vincent, timed the pilot and did an excellent job. It was from a uh, uh, an Alexa. They shot it on the Alexa. Uh, then they do the season on an F sixty five. So it's very different. But I'm left with the image. I need to interpret. I need to do my detective work. So I call Tim, uh, my producer at the time at ColorWorks. Rebecca Moon had worked with Tim, so she got us in touch. So I'm able to find out what he did mm-hmm. as far as uh, secondaries, blooming the whites, uh, adding softening. Um, and then I spotted something and I asked him and he said, yes, he did. He put electronic grain 
on on the image. Oh, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> so that's uh, I I pointed that out as we went along. Right. That, yeah. um, if we want to replicate, then we're going to need to do this, and so right. we have. Right. Well, yes, very, very thin, fine. It's not a lot, just barely, barely, barely noticeable. No, it was, uh, it was uh, 0 0.1 setting on the uh, first season, and I dialed it back to 7.5 on the first four, four episodes of the second season. That's all I've done. I, I left Colorworks three weeks ago. Wow. Well, uh, so moral masters to sex in a moment, but... One of the other questions was, how is it, or what is it like transitioning between colorists? Um, well, that's a good question. That's got to be good, bad, and ugly, I suppose, depending on... It depends. Yeah, there's temptation always to compete. Mm -hmm. um, I am one who has battled that through the years, and, and I, I hopefully only compete at tennis <laughs> and, you know... It, sports, uh, sailing. I try not to compete at art. There's, right. so I, I give Tim, uh, all the credit for the look of, of that show. Um, since he sat and did the pilot and I followed his look, um, with a blacklist that show transitioned from Yasu's, uh, approach to three different cameraman over the course of the season mm -hmm. and a constant uh, request to get darker. I know the executive that. producer get darker, 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 darker. And at some point you've gotten to where they say, okay, come back a little, let's go a little brighter. <laughs> um, so that took an arc. There has not been an arc on uh, masters that I know of. We've tried to keep it except for the, there's going to be a jump in time starting right where I left off. Um, it starts in 1957. Mm -hmm. Actually, the pilot was supposed to be 56. And we're, most of our time is in 1957. Then we're going to jump and take uh, several years uh, jump forward. That's the Masters of Sex, right? Masters of Sex. You know, what, uh, other things I noticed about that particular show was that uh, the walls are, uh, well, for one thing, it's just so weird seeing people walking around smoking at a hospital. I'd like, you know, I, I remember that vaguely as a kid, but it's like weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's great atmosphere. You it's know, a, you don't have to pump any kind of smoke or atmosphere on the set because you've got marble. Yeah. <laughs> then there's, um, but then the walls themselves, it's like there's this sort of this uh, very light yellow, uh, look that shows up a lot internally in, indoors and then the and then the and then the the lights are often just not often they're always like bright white you know and uh, i kind of like it but i was just sitting there thinking yeah but they were all incandescents back then you know <laughs> true those whites are almost all those the practicals are almost always slightly clipped down yeah, soft clipped in the in the whites, mm -hmm. um, because my eye doesn't like the the high end white to be gone. Yeah, I only like to see the high end white gone. Let's say on a street scene with with uh, rain, with puddles or something, where there's there's some reason for that light to get so bright that you can't see it. I mm -hmm. uh, can't see any detail in it, and and that comes from just looking at nature. Yeah, um, I'm 
I've been working uh, with young colors for years, and one of the first things I tell them is, your life is changing now, and you will come back in here, and we will work again, and you will realize that you see things that you never saw before. True. Um, and it happens. Uh, it's one of the best parts of uh, helping somebody become a colorist is you turn on the world of color to them. They, we don't notice it mm-hmm. until we have to. Well, I I noticed in my in my uh, practice over the these four years is that everyone that's come to me, a lot of them are first time filmmakers, so it's a it's a different experience in the sense that. They've brought this in. It's almost like a baby. They have set it down. It's a copy of their spent, you know, two years putting this thing together. And then we start going through, well, how do you want it to look and this and that and whatnot. And there's like a complete, complete lack of vocabulary or understanding of color. And I got to thinking about that. And I, 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 it occurred to me that, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, I mean, even the interview with Munsell uh, recently just, just verified this for me. Nobody's taught color, unless you happen to have been an art student. Color, yeah. color happened once in third grade when the substitute teacher came in and they got the watercolors out. That was it. Right. That's right. Oh. And then you well, as a colorist, you have, to, you have to look for it. So if you haven't been trained, and I was never trained, um, you have to train yourself. Right. There are books on color and, and just life. Color is all around us. So I love discussions like they those should have been tungsten. Those were old lights. They would be more yellow. Because you're right. They would have. And, and if I had to go back and, and now if, if I could redo that, I probably would think about it a little more. But what I'm looking at is their skin tone. Well, of course. It's, yeah. it's not the yellow wall, uh, although the yellow wall is really yellow. And it just happens that a producer I work with doesn't like yellow, so I diminish the yellow. Those hospital uh, corridors are a stronger yellow than what I present in the final. Um, And part of that is accomplished by uh, desaturation. I take overall, I don't put as much saturation in, in that show as I did on others. I can tell. And it was a bone of contention at one point because really? the pilot was uh, in that direction. That was the uh, direction that John Madden wanted to go. But when the show is is produced as a series and it's built on a soundstage on the Sony lot, it's a uh, a new designer. And the idea was for brilliant colors from the cover of Life and Look magazine. The ori- so this was very different. That was, that was the original idea or that was? No, the- that, was, that was the idea after the pilot. After the pilot. Oh, but now, yeah. it's, now it's not. So how did it transition? Keep going. I'm sorry. The, uh, I, as I said, I referred to the pilot for my, my lead. And what I saw um, was low saturation, very Classy right. look. Um, not a lot of vignettes. Right. Not a lot of affectation. Right. And so I followed that, and I tried to emulate what I thought was brilliant work by Tim, Tim Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, uh, the first episode, uh, the DP, Mike Weaver, of the series came by, and he liked it, but he had some concerns. I could tell when he left. <laughs> um, he went back to the set, talked to the designer, 
they came back in and decided that it was needed more color. At, at this point, we brought in the executive producer who liked the look that I had set, but uh, it's a collaborative process. Wanted to listen to the DP and the set designer. Um, so we added more saturation. Um, two episodes later, John Madden, the director from the pilot, is also executive producer, came in, liked the original approach. So I redid the saturation on those first two episodes, brought them back to a lower saturation. That's where they stayed. And we determined that if you know the show, we determined that saturation level partly by uh, master's wife skin tone. The woman who plays Libby, the wife of yes, uh, she's beautiful, Dr. Man, tall, thin, beautiful, mm -hmm. and just porcelain skin. Uh, when Michelle, the executive producer, showrunner, uh, saw the image of her, uh, she wanted to make sure that that was the, our keystone. So, in often, often you have shows, you'll have one actor uh, who might be your keystone. Right. NYPD Blue was Sipowitz, you know, Dennis Franz. Right, right. Um, uh, Grey's Anatomy was Ellen Pompeo. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, but everybody in an ensemble cast has a different color skin. So, yeah. Uh, therefore, thank, uh, thank the Lord for endless windows because every one of those shows had a window per actor per scene. Tracking all along. Huh. All of them have to be tracked. Yeah. Oh, my God. But you're not doing that on Masters so much then, I take it. Uh, Masters is different. I don't – because we start off with low saturation, you don't have the same problem yeah. of uh, red skin until you have a, an extra in the background who's been sitting in the breezeway getting sun all day long. Then they come in and they sit down and their faces beat red. <laughs> uh, I've told people many times that if I was the casting director – there would be a lot of people who didn't make the cut. <laughs> you know, I, I have now I am not going to be tasked so much with beauty fixes because we're in a, uh, a different environment where we're project based and we have an, a whole auto desk set up. So um, I'm going to be uh, handing off to the flame artist, O.T. Height at Arsenal for uh, beauty fixes. He oh, not only nice. does it uh, very well, he does it better than I do. Uh, on Masters with the Baselight Eight, I was doing um, and Black Blacklist. I was doing all the almost all the beauty fixes, which are any blemishes mm -hmm. and any kind of uh, uh, you know eye puffy eyes or anything that just needs to be reduced. And usually, that's uh, primarily actress uh, actresses. Mm -hmm. um, although uh, it's uh, a show called Rake with Greg Kinnear. Um, he had some of that that needs to be helped out. Well, so uh, just to close out then on Masters of uh, Sex, I, I, I like the, the look a lot. It's, it's very unique, and it fits the time period for me. I'm really amazed at uh, how consistent it looks because, you know, yellow, those yellow walls, not, it's getting close to skin, skin color. You know, it's, this is not your... Um, sort of blockbuster, you know, green and orange sort of, you know, or teal and orange kind of look, you know. You start moving into yellow, you start moving into skin tones. And uh, and it's done very artfully, and it looks great, and, and I can't wait to see what happens this next Sunday. <laughs>
No, I'm good. I'm glad you're watching it. You know that I don't use hardly any keys on that. I don't key the skin and turn it. To me, that adds that almost always adds noise. Um, The keying that I have had to do is on exterior uh, like uh, windows. Uh The feeling that outside is is brighter than it should be. So I will key that in inside of a window. But um, you had asked a question about the time and how has the yes how has that changed over the years? I wanted to touch on that for a for a time's up. Okay. Yes, please. Uh, um, because it's a really important point for me. You know, when I started in the early '80s, mm-hmm. everything had to be done very fast, yeah. and that included getting up and going and changing the film roll. Mm-hmm. and putting up the next one and getting back in and, and starting again. Um, so everything for me was fast, fast, fast. The uh, client would ask for something. I come from a commercial background, so I would finish a, a job and have a, another one waiting. Um, in 91, when I moved to television shows, I took that commercial in, inclination and the speed needed into television, and we did our shows very fast. Um that everybody did. You had to get through a show, an hour show, which is 42, 44 minutes long. You have 16 hours to color time it. The same was true in 91 as is true today. For Masters of Sex, I get 20 hours, but it's a Showtime uh, series, so it's 58 minutes long. Uh, Blacklist, I get 16 hours, or I got 16 hours to do that. Yeah. Now, here's the point. The time is the same. The time you're allotted. Now, I don't have negative to deal with. I don't have to fix anything. Here's, this is a, a point that I want to make for anybody who might be listening to these broadcasts um, and not, not realize this. They're struggling. Young colorists in particular, they get handed the shite. Uh. The stuff that needs all the work. The, the stuff that uh, people say, you know, I don't have any money, but I need this color time to be you know, That's you right. credit be great experience for you. Um, you get past that. Work through it. Get past that. Because once you do, when you get to the the network level, when you get to the motion picture level, the pictures are wonderful. The <laughs> DPs do the work. They, they <laughs> use their light meters and they set up the master shot. And then they take these light meters, these handheld gadgets, and they go and they measure the light on the overs and on the cutaways and all the other stuff. And shots. it's consistent. It's consistent. I I try. I'm I've always been in search of one correction. <laughs> I will go through a show and I will find a scene that I just love, um, and I will set that up and I'll time it and then I'll put that correction on the whole show. If the whole show looks pretty good, then that DP has done a fabulous job, oh, and that geez. does happen. And at, at, at the level of these shows that we're talking about, uh-huh. this happens regularly. Um, Arthur Albert shot uh, The Blacklist. That happened regularly for me on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yasu on the pilot. That's how it is. Um, with uh, Masters of Sex, Michael Weaver. I can go in. Uh, the last episode that aired, I think there's a scene of uh, Libby and Masters in the kitchen. Yeah. That was the scene that I used to set the look for the entire episode. Of course, everything gets changed. I still haven't found that one correction, but it gets me to the start. And I like to find a a shot that I love. But the point that I've been trying to get back to, time. 
you make your chops in this business on your following, your loyalty that you develop with your clients. It is a project. You are one of three, 400 people working in a collaborative process. The largest collaborative art form that humans have been involved in, as far as I know, is motion pictures and television. Wow. Because everybody who had some, worked on this show has made a valuable contribution before the colorist. The colorist is only putting the final polish on the Ferrari before it leaves the showroom. Our job is to take care of everybody's job that came along before us. So it has become incumbent upon me to teach this and to, to discipline myself. It is about getting through the show fast, but most importantly, it is developing a way to slow yourself down. I try to almost stop time. Oh, interesting. If you, when I learned to do this job, it was because of an epiphany I had in a dark room. Yeah. When, when I took a piece of uh, Kodak paper out of a, a developer and saw that latent image come to life, mm -hmm. I, was, I was hooked. And I was 16. Um, so I'm 57 now. That was a long time ago, and I'm still hooked. And the <laughs> same thing that happened to me that day when I finished, when I opened the door and I went outside and realized that I had missed the whole day. I had gone in it in the morning, and it was nighttime and dark when I came out. Uh -huh. That is stopping time. Totally focusing on your art, on your craft, forgetting about the passing of time, creating images one after another, interpreting those images. But then when it's all interpreted and you look at it, you go through it again because mm. that's when you create. That's when you go through and you see, if I just add a tracking window to both of their eyes, sharpen it a little bit and add a little bit of light, this whole scene comes alive. And I hadn't noticed that eight hours ago. Mm, yeah. So sort of in summary, two key points from Yoda here. One would be, um, be patient. Uh, you know, what you're learning as a, be as a beginning colorist is really going to pay off in time and be patient, develop your following. And the other thing is find a way on your projects to find your flow, to get in that undistracted space where what you're doing is all you're doing, but you're not really doing your sort of bringing your beingness to it you're just in this timeless space is that right i feel that's that's how i feel that's that's well said that's that's uh you i'm not as good if i bring my problems from home i'm not as good if i have even if i have producers in the room on the phone i have to lose that oh, i have to yeah. turn uh, i have to turn inward um i go into a suite and I turn on some music and I have, I build different playlists for different clients, uh, moods for myself, and I'll try to disappear. Once I've done that, once I've learned the color corrector, I'm on, I'm on my 12th or 15th color corrector now, <laughs> learn, learning the luster. Um, but once I've done that, once I've learned it, I forget about the color corrector. Yeah. Um, and it's just about bringing that project out. Everything we deal with is, is flat art that we have to create depth. So right. in every scene, once it's, once it's balanced, the DP, I've, I've found the DP's work. 
and he is doing all the work. And I'm just making sure that any of the time constraints are evened out. Then I look at the show, every scene, and think, what can I contribute? What can I do to make it a little better? Mm-hmm. And that's when I'll spot the stray light uh, up. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, a, a scene in the, uh, the the bottle episode on Masters where they're in the hotel room the whole episode. And there's the uh, the boxing matches going on. Yes. Uh, the wide shot of that room, I didn't see it the first few times I went through, but there's a, a light in the uh, in the upper right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the one that's a practical it's a practical it's it's not supposed to it's not a practical it's a it's a i'm sorry it's a it's a a a production light production light huh so Whoops. i i use the uh uh the base light to for its blend function it the blend function allows you to put uh an m the same image uh, to double the same image and then when you cut a hole in the front image you can move the back image uh, let's say a blemish, or in this case, the curtains, and I just moved the curtains over, soft-edged it, and got rid of that light. But I wouldn't have seen it, and it would have been, it would have gone out that way. Um, it's always incumbent on me to catch the booms, to catch the uh, edge of frame, to catch the French flags, in this case, to catch a light. Right. Because um, these guys are running uh, way too fast. They've got to shoot nine, ten more pages a day. Whoa. Um, it's uh it's it's brutal and for episodic television right now to look as good as it does mm-hmm. is a testament to how good these dps are and and frankly my peers the guys who uh, and and the ladies and gentlemen who are color correcting this most colorists on these shows most of the colorists that i know have been doing it for years and that's been their discipline and they they're dedicated to this well, look, this has been extremely valuable, Randy. I really appreciate your time, and, and uh, I know you're busy. So thank you very, very much. Well, this has been fun. Tom, um, we just scratched the surface. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you have more questions, you call me. Okay. Well, I may very well. Might do a part two sometime. Thank you very much. 